Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. And Merry Christmas. Been waiting all year to be able to say that. Here it is, December 2nd. Uh, Welcome to part three of our series called More Than Conquerors. I've got a theme verse for this series. I want us to read it out loud together. It's on your uh, outline. It's on the screen. Let's read this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not just conquerors, more than conquerors. That's how God wants us to live. And today, uh, I get to look at conquering temptation. We all have to admit that there are times in our lives when we end up doing things that we don't want to do. I want to do the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing. And we all have persistent temptations that cause us to stumble over and over. Maybe it's anger that you can't control, fear that sends you into a panic, resentment you can't let go of. It could be lust or greed or envy or gossip. It could be gluttony. Those persistent habits that mess up your life that we can't get rid of. Uh, The Apostle Paul felt this way in Romans 7.15 when he says, I don't understand myself, for I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. How How do we conquer my persistent temptations? I mean, there's got to be a way to break these. There's got to be a way to break these. Because the same guy that wrote Romans 7.15, you know, I do what I hate, it's the same guy that wrote Romans 8.37 that says I can be more than a conqueror. So how do I get from Romans 7 to Romans 8? I'm going to show you today on your notes. Do these seven things. Number one, determine my pattern of temptation. Uh, Every one of us has unique patterns in our lives. You got a unique uh, thumbprint, fingerprint, palm print, eye print, voice print, footprint. Your heartbeat is unique to you. Your physical patterns are unique. And your emotional and spiritual patterns are unique as well. We all have the same temptations, but they come to us in different ways because we're each one unique. And there are some things, there are some things I've never been tempted to do in my life, never will be. There are some things that you'll never be tempted to do. But there are some things, some things that seriously tempt us to the point that we fail and we choose to do the wrong thing again. You got to know your pattern of temptation, your pattern of temptation. Why? Because the devil knows it. The devil knows what trips you up better than you do. And if you don't know what trips you up, you're going into a battle with a blindfold on. Proverbs 5, 6, The immoral person does not care about the path of life. She staggers down a crooked trail, doesn't even realize where it leads. And if you don't determine the patterns of your temptation, you're going to stagger down a crooked trail, not even realizing it's headed toward destruction. Lamentations 3.40 says just the opposite. It says, let's take a good look at the way we're living. 
and reorder our lives under God. You identify the patterns that tempt you so you can avoid those situations, so you can conquer your temptation. So you need to ask yourself uh, these questions. First, when am I most tempted? Do you know you're more tempted uh, at certain days than other days? And you're more tempted at certain times of the day? Uh, You know, Monday morning, you go back to work, go back to school. You may be tempted to be frustrated, short-tempered, irritated with people. You know, Monday morning temptations are totally different than the temptations you face on Friday night. Okay, different day, different time, different temptations. And I've discovered for me, you know, one of, one of my areas of recovery in my life is I'm a food addict, and I've struggled with my weight, struggled with my health. Frankly, it's, it's killing me. I'm a type 2 diabetic with heart disease. I've got to get a handle on this food thing. And I've discovered that I can eat more calories and snacks in the evening than I eat in breakfast, lunch, and dinner combined, okay? So that time of day is my worst time of day. Understanding that, I can prepare myself for the battle. When am I the most tempted? And so the second question you want to ask is, where am I most tempted? Am I most tempted at work? Am I most uh, tempted at home? Am I tempted at a friend's house? Am I tempted at Quick Trip? You know, and you just figure out, where are you most tempted? And then the best strategy is, just don't go there. Okay, you know, if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees. But, uh, you know, you at least need to know uh, where's this going to happen so you can be ready for it and, and not walk into some place without your armor on. Third question is, who is with me when I'm most tempted? Because some of you are most tempted when you're alone. You think, you know, I'm alone, nobody's watching. Or you think, I'm alone, There's, I'm lonely. And some of you are tempted when you're uh, out with your friends. You know, you don't want to do it, but there's all that peer pressure. Uh, some of you are tempted with a coworker, or, or you're tempted when you're in a crowd of strangers. Well, nobody here knows me. Nobody pays any attention to what I'm doing. Some temptations come when you're with your family. You, you, you will say and do things with your family that you wouldn't say and do with anybody else. And so you may need to limit maybe even sever some of your relationships. There may be people in your life that you need to hold at an arm's length because the temptation is too great when you're around them. So ask yourself, who's with me when I'm the most tempted? Uh, You need to ask, what's the temporary benefit that I get when I give in? Because every sin has a payoff. You know, every negative behavior has a benefit. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't do it. I mean, if it, you know, if it felt like a root canal, you wouldn't do it. But the Bible says that sin is fun for a season. It's fun for a season. It's a short-term pleasure with long-term consequences. And so I've got to ask myself, what, what, what am I getting out of this that causes me to keep doing it? What's the payoff? Is it a stress relief? Is it comfort? Is it excitement, an adrenaline rush? Do I feel in control? So I need to figure out, what's the payoff? So I can figure out another way to get the payoff without fulfilling the temptation. Then how do I feel when I give in to temptation? Do I feel more loved, more accepted, more popular? You know, if you know what that is, then you'll know, what is it about this that Satan is using to hook me? It's a short-term pleasure with a long-term cost. And then the last question is, is how do I feel right before I'm tempted? What are your emotional triggers that make you the most vulnerable? Uh, Are are you frustrated, lonely, angry, tired, maybe just bored? 
And when you determine the when, where, who, uh, what, and how, then you're going to understand your pattern of temptation, and you can take step two. You can plan to avoid it. You plan to avoid it. Once you understand your temptation triggers, then you can set some boundaries and some guidelines in your life to keep you out of those situations. Uh, Proverbs 4.26 says, Plan carefully what you do. Plan carefully what you do. Avoid evil and walk straight ahead. Don't go one step off the right way. Uh, the problem is too many of us spend time planning how we can get away with sin. You know, we spend time planning, how can I do this and not get caught? How can I avoid the consequences of my sin? Rather than spending time planning how we can avoid sin. Every morning, you, you need to make a plan to avoid evil. If you, don't, if you don't, don't want to get burned, you can't play with fire. If you don't want to fall off a cliff, you can't go near the edge. And the goal is not to see how close I can get to the tempting activity and not do it. The goal is to see how far away can I stay from that tempting activity. And once you're aware of your patterns, uh, then you can make plans to avoid them. You, know, you, don't, you don't go to a bar to eat peanuts. You, you don't go to an all-you-can-eat buffet for a light snack. You, know, you just don't put yourself in those tempting situations. You, you plan ahead. Where am I going today? Uh, who will I be with? Uh, what am I going to be doing? And, and you know, quit falling for the same old traps and start anticipating what the new ones will be. Uh, you know, put a porn filter on your computer and your phone. Uh, don't walk down the liquor aisle in the grocery store. Stay out of that convenience store that has those dirty magazines. You know, prepare a shopping list. Go in there, buy what's on the list, and get out of the store before you overspend. Because if you're going to stop falling for the same old temptation over and over again, you've got to have a plan how to avoid them. Third way I conquer temptation is I must protect the condition of my heart. Protect the condition of my heart. Proverbs 4.23. Let's read this out loud together. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Above all else... Okay, that sounds pretty important. Guard your heart. And so I want to give you a little heart exam here today. On, on your notes, I've got 10 questions about 10 different areas in your life. And if you don't have a set of notes, you can jot this down on the piece of paper or something else there. But I'd, I'd like for every one of you just to take this little quiz. And there are 10 questions, 10 different areas of your life. Just circle a number for each one of these. First one is your physical condition. If you're tired or tired all the time, give yourself a zero. Uh, if you're in tip-top condition, give yourself a four or something in between. Next is your emotional condition. Uh, are you discouraged about your life right now? Are you pessimistic? Then give yourself a zero. Or do you feel encouraged about life? Are you optimistic? Then give yourself a four. Uh, what's the condition of your lifestyle? If you feel bored, if you're discontented, give yourself a low score. But if, if you feel challenged, stimulated, uh, contented, give yourself a high score or something in between. Your spiritual condition. You're, you're feeling spiritually dry, spiritually empty. You're far from God. Give yourself a low score. If you're spiritually vibrant and growing, then give yourself a, give yourself a four. Uh, on your relationships, if you'd say, you know, the, the people that, that I love are distant from me, and I, I, I feel alone, 
then give yourself a low score. But if the ones you love, if you're close to them, if they're near to you, if you spend time together, then give yourself a high score. Uh, Next is my outlook on the future. Am I feeling insecure, uh, unafraid, or uh, afraid about my uh, my future? Uh, Or if I'm feeling very secure, very confident about my future, give yourself a zero to four on that category. And then have you been deeply wounded? Are you carrying a a deep hurt? Uh, If so, then give yourself a low score. Uh, If you feel loved and understood by the people in your life, then you can give yourself a high score. Uh, If you've got bitterness in your heart, if there's somebody you just have not forgiven, can't forgive them, then uh, give yourself a low score. Uh, If you've forgiven those who've hurt you, then give yourself a four. Uh, Feeling more sad about life or more happy about life? Rate yourself on that one. Uh, And finally, am I feeling unsupported or supported in my relationships? And rate yourself uh, on that. And now take just a moment, a little bit of math, but add up your numbers and and write down the the total. And there are 10 questions, and so if you put a 4 on every one of them, then you would be Jesus and you'd be perfect. Okay? (laughs) And if you put a 0 on every one of them, then you would be Job and, uh, and you'd have a zero. But most likely, your score is somewhere between zero and 40. And so if you've got 30 to 40 points, then your spiritual immune system is high. And you're, not gonna, you're gonna be more resistant to temptation uh, than people with a lower score, and that's good. If you've got 20 to 30 points, that's a big yellow caution light saying, you need to watch out. You may not be as healthy. You may not be as strong as you think you are. If you got uh, 10 to 20 points, then your spiritual, emotional, even your physical immunity is low, and, and you're, you're open. You're open to attack. If you got a zero to 10 points, you are in crisis mode right now, okay? And, and I, I want you to take this very seriously. I do. I want you to know that if you're in zero to 10, uh, you need to be serious about this. And Monday morning, you need to call a Christian counselor and make an appointment to get some help because you need professional help right away. And so I put together a list. I've got four counselors that over the years I've referred people to. I actually go to one of these guys myself. And, uh, And I've gotten great feedback from people that they've been very helpful and so if you're 0 to 10, or if you've got an area you want to work on, we've got these out at the information table, and I'd encourage you, look it over, go to their website, check them out, find one, make a phone call, talk to them, see if you want to you know, work with them. The longer, the longer you live in those lower numbers, the more vulnerable you become. And so you want to get help uh, as soon as you know you need it. Now, the Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold. What does it mean, give the devil a foothold? Well, spiritually, this is what happens. The the devil doesn't come in and try and take over your whole life all at once. He's more subtle. He's craftier than that. And so he starts by getting one little area, just a little, maybe it's a little secret sin over here. It's a personal habit that nobody else knows about. Everything else in your life looks pretty good. And you even think yourself, you know, I think I'm okay because I just got this one little thing going on over here. But do you think Satan is going to be content with that one little area of your life? No. 
No, his goal is to destroy you. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. The devil hates you and wants to destroy you. And you need to remember both of those things. And the way the devil destroys you is it's by establishing a little foothold. He just takes over one little area. I mean, we've all seen people who, who live great lives and then their life is destroyed because they have one little area, one little secret sin they can't control, they can't conquer. And it gets them. Now, any negative emotion... Satan can use that as a foothold in your life. Jealousy can give Satan a foothold in your life. Greed can be a foothold in your life. Fear can be a foothold. Resentment can be a foothold. Lust can be anger, boredom, gluttony. You know, and then when you mix in several of these heart conditions, I mean, it's just a potent recipe for disaster. You know, if you're tired, frustrated, hurt, lonely, bitter, the more of those you add on, the, the more you set yourself up for temptation, the more vulnerable you become. Because what happens is, is you, you know, you start feeling bad, and then a little voice just starts saying, you know, I deserve some comfort. I, I, I deserve a little release. I, I deserve some fun. I deserve a little sinful pleasure. Don't you love that phrase? You know? I mean, stuff you would never fall for. You would never be tempted by if you were spiritually healthy. That's why you've got to protect the condition of your heart. Number four, you've got to pray for God's help. Uh, Jesus gave his followers this advice. He said, keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. Pray or temptation will overpower you. Psalm 50:15 says, "Call to me when trouble comes. I will save you. When trouble comes, you immediately call out to God." I mean, it can just be a one-word prayer. It can be help. You know, the other day I went out for lunch and I went to, to Cracker Barrel. I uh, hadn't been in there before and uh, went in and had a nice lunch, got a healthy lunch, didn't eat a whole lot and I really felt satisfied and I came out and I walked up to pay and I'm standing there paying and I'm looking around and I am surrounded by every candy I ever ate as a kid. And, and when I was a kid, I ate all the candy, okay? And honestly, I, it, I got blindsided. I, I wasn't prepared for that. And I'm standing there, and I mean, it's just all around me. And honestly, it's my biggest, it's my biggest temptation at this point in my life. And I'm standing there, and I remember I just kind of looked at the lady and whispered, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and I managed to, to pay and get out of there and get over to the section with the country music DVDs and stuff where I wasn't tempted and then eventually left. But honestly, when, when trouble comes, you, you know, that, that, that's your defense. That's your way out, your escape. And this is a turning point. This is a pivot point in this process. I mean, I cannot emphasize this point, number four, enough. You need to put a star by this one, circle it, underline it. This is the key. I've been working with people in recovery for years, and believe me, that this, this is crucial. Because when you and I fall into temptation and sin, God says to confess your sin... And he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I don't care how many times you sin, if you confess it, God will forgive it. Every time. Every time. But God does not want you to stop there. 
God does not want you to spend your life falling into sin and confessing it and being forgiven. No, God wants you to learn how to conquer your temptation so you don't even have to confess it. You just conquer it and you live victorious. Yes, God will forgive you every time you confess your sin, every time. Tremendous benefit that we have as a believer. Unbelievers don't have that. They just got to they just got to carry the burden of their guilt and and their uncleanness, unrighteousness before God. They, 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 just, they have to live with the guilt of their sin. But as believers, we can confess it and be clean. But more important than that is for you as a believer, you can move beyond confession. Because while God forgives your sins, you know, you, you still suffer the consequences. You still suffer the wounds. You wound everybody else around you. It affects your life even though you confess it and you're forgiven and you're cleaned up. A, a pattern of falling into sin and confessing it and being forgiven is a far more brutal way to live than conquering your temptation. And God wants me to move beyond confessing to conquering and this is the turning point in dealing with your sin. When you get to the point where you no longer wait till after you have sinned to cry out to God and say you're sorry. You know, I don't cry out to God and ask him to forgive me for overeating. I don't cry out and ask God to forgive me for drinking. I don't cry out to God and ask him to forgive me for lusting. I don't cry out for God to forgive my anger. I don't cry out to God after I sin. I cry out to him before I sin. It's a turning point in your life. It's a turning point in my life. I learned to conquer my temptation before I have to confess my sin. It's the turning point from Romans 7 to Romans 8. I learned to cry out to God for help. And maybe I don't even know what it is I'm supposed to say in that moment. Romans 8.26 says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. In that moment... For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. You know, we think God wants us to learn to stand on our own two feet and be strong. But God says, no, I want you to fall on your knees and depend on me. And if you will call on God when you're tempted, he'll help you. He will help you. And God will forgive you when you confess your sin every time. And God will give you a way out of temptation every time. The question is, which one do you want? And conquering is a whole lot better way to live. Fifth thing you do to conquer temptation is point your attention elsewhere. Change the direction of your thoughts. Refocus on something else. Uh, Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. Because temptation always starts with a thought in your mind. What captures your attention captures you. There is a pull. There is an attraction to what gets your attention. You know, if you stand on the edge of a cliff, there's just something that pulls you toward the bottom. Why does that happen? Because whatever gets your attention gets you. You know, you're driving down the road. You look at something off to the side. Where, you, where do you drive? You drift because you drive where you look. If I ask you right now, are you hungry, thirsty? Some of you think, well, yeah, I am a little hungry. Yeah. 
to ask you if you're tired. Oh, yeah. I am a little tired. Some of you are yawning. Okay? If I ask you if you're sick, hmm, maybe I do feel a little poor. You know, the more you think about something, the stronger the hold it gets on you. Temptation starts with attention. Something grabs your attention. And then it moves to arousal. Your emotions awake up. And you think, oh, this could be exciting. This could be pleasing. This could be fun. And that leads to action. And you do what you don't want to do again. Okay? Here's the secret. You've got to catch it at the attention stage. At the attention stage, you divert your attention to something else. You divert your attention. The best thing to do is divert your attention to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We capture every thought and make it obey Christ. Now, you cannot control your circumstances. You cannot control the people around you. You cannot even control your own emotions. But you can control what you think about. And the Bible, the Bible doesn't say resist temptation. It doesn't. It doesn't say resist temptation. We see that in, in the example of Jesus when he was tempted by the devil. You know, Jesus, before he started his ministry, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and uh, 40 nights and fasted. And at the end of that time, the devil came and tempted him. And, 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 he and Jesus is tired and hungry, and so the devil tempts him to turn some stones into bread. Well, Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm going to resist the hunger. I'm going to resist the hunger. I'm going to resist the No, he turned his attention to God's word. He turned his attention to God. Because whatever gets your attention gets you. You know, I, I found that I never feel better about myself by focusing on myself. Never feel better about myself focusing on myself. It's when I divert my attention to God that things change. Always. Fill your mind with truth from God's word. Fill your mind with godly thoughts. And learning new patterns of, of thinking, it's not easy, it doesn't come quickly, but by God's strength, it's possible to do it. Number six, you've got to pick an accountability partner. The reason most people never conquer their temptation is they're unwilling to pick an accountability partner. Because there are some temptations that are so big, you've got to team tackle them. You, know, you can't break free on your own. You've got to have somebody else to help you. And I'll just be so bold to tell you, if you're unwilling to get an accountability partner, you just need to stop kidding yourself. You're, you're not really interested in, in change. And there's a big difference between an accountability partner and a, an accomplice. Okay? I mean, I've had, I've had accomplices in the past, you know, people who struggle with the same thing and feel just as bad about it as I do and make me feel better about it every time I fail. And, you know, that's different than an accountability partner. And, uh, you know, you've you, you got to get somebody who will really help you change. Ecclesiastes 4 says two are better than one. Together, if one falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one to help him. Do you have somebody to help you? That's your accountability partner. James 5.16 says admit your faults to each other. It's your accountability partner. Pray for each other, your accountability partner, so that you may be healed. You, know, you don't have to admit it to the world. You don't have to admit it to everybody, but you've got to admit it to somebody. And at least one other person, somebody that you love them, they love you, enough to hold you accountable. 
Everybody needs, needs a friend like that. And when you're honest with someone like that about your struggles, there, there are three amazing benefits that, that you discover. And there's no place, no fill-in for this. I just want you to write down these three words somewhere. Liberating, empowering, endearing. Liberating, empowering, and endearing. First one's liberating. The, the moment you share your secret sin with somebody else, all of a sudden, that, that guilt that has you grabbed by the jugular, that, that, that guilt is broken. A second, it's empowering. It's liberating, it's empowering. God gives his power to us when we humble ourselves. God gives grace to the humble. And if I can't talk about it because it's too painful or it's too embarrassing, if I can't talk about it, it's out of control. In fact, it's in control if I can't talk about it. But when you talk about the problem with somebody, then that's when you begin to gain control of it. Third thing is, it's endearing. It's liberating, empowering, and it's endearing. Now, when you're honest with somebody about your weakness, you know, we think that person's going to run away for us, from us, but what it actually does is it draws us closer together. Uh, you know, authenticity causes uh, deep friendships to be formed. So, does following Christ exempt you from temptation? No. Of course not. Because, because Satan hates your guts, and he wants to take you down, and you're going to be tempted the rest of your life. You know, followers of Christ have the exact temptations as everybody else, but we have two significant differences, two significant advantages. One is we have been saved by grace because we put our trust in Christ. And so, you know, I got the same sins in my life as everybody else, but I don't walk around with a guilt complex because I can confess my sins and be forgiven. Okay? The second thing I have is I got a church family. I have, I have a church family where I can find people who can support and help me. For over 21 years, we've been building Rockbrook as a safe place for people who admit they don't have it all together. From the get-go, this church was never designed as a hotel for saints who wanted to dress up for a parade. Okay? No. This is a hospital for sinners who want to be healed. This is a hospital for people who want to conquer their temptation. And, and that's why we're a church of small groups. Because small groups, that's a, where are you going to find this accountability partner? Well, small groups is a great place to get to know people, establish some friendships, and you can pick out one or two people and go really deep with them. Now, our small groups meet on a semester basis. They don't meet every week, but we also have Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery meets every week uh, at 7 o'clock Wednesday night in the East Building. And, and Celebrate Recovery is designed to help you find an accountability partner and a sponsor, somebody who can help you conquer your temptations. And for me personally, I, I found a tremendous amount of healing. I found a tremendous amount of freedom uh, going through a Celebrate Recovery step study. I mean, it literally changed my life. It gave me the tools that I need in, in order to, to live effectively and deal with my temptations. Final step, number seven. I've got to persist in believing I can change. Uh, you know, you don't have to stay the same. You may have dealt with this temptation <laughs> your whole life, but change is possible. You can conquer it. 
1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation that comes your way is beyond what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Sometimes we say, you know, I was in this situation and I was tempted and I just couldn't help it. You know what? You're right. You're right. You couldn't help it. You, you, don't, you don't have the strength. That's why you've got to call out to God for help. That's why you need Jesus Christ. That's why you need God the Father. That's why you need the Holy Spirit because you don't have enough power uh, to do it. You need God's power in your life. You need God's power through a Christian friend, someone who is Jesus in the flesh, an accountability partner because you're not going to get over this on your own. You know, you're just not. It's going to happen when you commit yourself to these seven steps and you take them seriously, you can change. You can change. I want to close tonight with, with, with a declaration here. I, I want to close by asking you just, just to make this. It's on your notes. It's on the screen. It's a decision where I decide to move from repeatedly confessing my sins to conquering my temptations. I decide to move from repeatedly confessing my sins to conquering my temptations. Call to me when trouble comes. I will save you. Let's pray together. If you're ready to be more than a conqueror, I just want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Say, God, I don't want to fall into temptation and have to confess my sin all over again. Instead, I, I am crying out to you in advance to help me conquer my temptation. God, I'm asking for your strength to take these steps, to determine my pattern of temptation, to plan to avoid them, places I won't go, things I won't watch, people I'll avoid. Lord, if it means changing jobs, if it means moving, so be it. Help me to focus my attention on you. And today I commit to finding a spiritual accountability partner, someone that can help and encourage me, and I can help and encourage them. Lord, help me to persist in believing I can change. I don't want to surrender to my temptations. I want to conquer them through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.